0: Hey, food friends, and welcome to the Food Founders Podcast. Whether you're looking to get on your very first store shelf or you're looking to grow your national or even international food brand, this podcast is going to teach you what it really takes to launch, grow, and scale a packaged food brand. Hear the food founder journeys of brands growing in their industry so you can fast track your food business success. I'm your host Ainsley, and this is the Food Founders Podcast. Hello, hello, food friends, and welcome to the Food Founders Podcast. I'm your host Ainsley, and today I'm excited to be here with Lisa Curtis of Cooley Cooley. Cooley Cooley is a moringa company that Lisa is going to dive in and share all about what that is about. And I think you guys are going to get a ton away from this about launching, growing, and scaling your packaged food brand. So Lisa, welcome to the Food Founders Podcast. Thanks for having me. Can you kick it off by just letting us know what is Cooley
1: Cooley and who do you serve with your product? Yeah. Great question. So Cooly Cooly is the leading brand pioneering Moringa. And for those of you who haven't heard of it, Moringa is a leaf. It grows on a tropical tree. Uh, so it grows all over the tropics from South America, Southeast Asia, um, to all over Africa. And it is incredibly nutritious. Some people call it the perfect food or the miracle trees, how it's known in a lot of Africa where I first started working with it. And it contains a lot of protein, calcium, iron, and I would say what our target customer really gets out of it is tends to be more female, although we obviously welcome guys as well. That we get uh, sort of energized by it. It's it's uh, kind of everything your body needs to feel good. So natural nutrition powered energy. And you mentioned that you first started
0: working with this in Africa. Can you can you dive into that a little bit more?
1: Yeah, so I started Kooli Kooli after working with Moringa as a Peace Corps volunteer in Niger, West Africa. So I was there back in 2010, a decade ago, which seems crazy. And I'm a vegetarian and found myself Uh, just feeling pretty unhealthy on a diet of mostly rice every day. And so I asked some of the women in my village's health center what I could eat to make me feel better. And they literally pulled these leaves off a tree and mixed them into this popular West African snack called kuli kuli. And they said, eat this, it'll make you feel better. And I was like, Tree leaves I don't know about this. Um, but I trusted these women and at that point I was like, I'll do anything to give myself like more energy. I was just so fatigued all the time. and I started eating it and you know I before that wasn't a big sort of believer in holistic medicine or you know food is medicine, but I was like, wow, this is having a profound impact on my body and on my energy like what is this plant? And so I did research and I was like, wow, this, this tree grows all over the tropics. It requires very little water to grow. It grows naturally in a lot of countries like Niger that have really high rates of malnutrition because it grows in hot climates, doesn't use much water. And yet very few people were eating it. It sort of had this like poor person's stigma. It was like something people were feeding to goats. And I was like, what is this disconnect with one of the most nutritious plants in the world being grown in one of the most malnourished countries in the world and not being eaten. That seems crazy to me. So long story short, I started talking to some of the women in my village saying, what can I do to get more people to grow it and eat this plant? And they said, well, why don't you help us sell it? Because if we're selling it, then we'll grow more of it. And if we're growing more of it, we'll eat more of it. And I was like you know, 22 years old and was like, sure. Yeah, no problem. I'll help you sell some moringa in America. Um, no idea what I was signing up for, but it's been an amazing journey and total labor of love ever since.
0: Yeah. Talk about having a reason to get out of bed every day. You're <laughs> like connected with these women and these, you know, these people and you've told them that, yeah, I'm going to help grow this so that more people can enjoy this, so that you can benefit from it, and that people's bodies can be nourished from it. Like, yeah, that's a good purpose, right
1: there. It is. It is. It is definitely something that keeps me going. And you know, startups aren't easy. It's often you feel like, why am I doing this? Um, but I feel really, really blessed to have um, an amazing mission and a really incredible team to be working on this very hard problem with. And it is. It's
0: not an easy problem. Like to try and solve this and try to grow this. Um, talk to me about some of the, some of the big lessons that you've had to have. I mean, this happened back in 2010, we're in 2020 now. <laughs> what what has part of that journey looked like? Did you come back home to America and you were like, yes, let's work on this right
1: away? Um, yeah. What did that look like? And what were some of those initial obstacles that you faced? Oh, so many. Um, but I think I, I kind came back to America and was like, I want to do this. I want to start a food company and realized starting a food company takes a lot of money, um, which I didn't have because the Peace Corps paid me $75 a month. So, you know, I literally had like $2,000 in my bank account in total. Um, and then it also takes a lot of knowledge that I didn't have. And I was like, I don't I've never even worked at a company, let alone started one. And one of the best pieces of advice I got is, you know, how about before you go and and start your own company, go work at a startup and fail on someone else's dime, is literally what the advice was. And I was like, oh, okay, yeah, I could do that. Um, So I went and worked at a startup for two and a half, almost three years. Um, And this was my passion project. Like this was my nights, weekends, like how do I import moringa to the US? How do I get high quality moringa? How do I do this in a way that benefits farmers? How the heck do I get people interested in this? You know, it was, there was a lot of questions. And so I spent a lot of time trying to figure out answers and also gathering people around me. So got some friends coming on as co-founders, got some advisors together and, and really just tried to be a sponge and soak up as much knowledge as I could. And then at the end of 2013, I was like, okay, I'm ready. I'm going to do this. So I quit my day job and Kuli Kuli launched onto the market in 2014.
0: That must have been such a shift for you. And also what a beautiful point to like, okay, you've been doing this evenings, weekends, trying to bring this to life. And that I've done that before. I know that takes so much out of you, (laughs) but then to like make that leap and you're like, okay, now it's full time. So two questions on that. Number one, let's, let's do this one first. So what did it take for you to recognize that that was the right time for you to leave your corporate job to, to start this? You're working for this startup, learning a ton. Did you have like a date in mind or were you like, I need this knowledge. I need this
1: amount of money. How did you decide that was the right time? Honestly, um, my boss kind of kicked me out in and, and like the most loving way. I still give him a lot of credit for doing this. Um, so we at the time had run this very successful Indiegogo campaign. Um, we had gotten on the front page of the San Francisco Chronicles business section as like cool new startup. And I still had a day job through all of this. And he kept being like, what are, you, what are you doing? <laughs> I was like, I don't know, I don't know. And then we got the news from Whole Foods. They wanted, you know, to launch us in Northern California. We finally got, you know, our first manufacturing run done with that crowdfunding money. And he was like, What are you waiting for? Like nobody's there's never gonna be a perfect moment. You're never gonna have hundreds of thousands of dollars saved up. At that time I was just like, Can I just pay my rent for six months, you know? Like can I get to the point where I can do that? Um and I yeah, I was like, okay, well, this is scary, but I'm gonna I'm gonna do it. So yeah, it took took the leap and, you know, at the beginning it felt really strange. It was just like instead of going to work, I just stayed in my small apartment all day with you know, where I had two other roommates and, and sort of like working from my bed and trying to figure out, okay, you know, I gotta do these demos and then I got to go pitch these investors and then I got to go to this event. And, um, it was, it was really exciting and also terrifying in so many ways.
0: Yeah. I'd imagine. So that's, that's a really big, that is a big leap. And thank goodness for you having such a great boss that you worked with to recognize that you need to go and do it because it's never the right time, right? It's, it's always scary. And sometimes we just need that person from the other side to be like, what are you doing? Go, go and do this. So thank goodness for him. And I'm, I'm sure that he like,
1: is your biggest fan. Absolutely. <laughs> He's definitely, definitely a big fan. And I think his words resonated with me of, of just the idea of like, look, I'm going to kick you out of the next and like watch you fly. And that was like so sweet at the time to be like, okay, somebody thinks I'm going to fly. Like maybe I won't just like fall on my head here. Yeah. Um, so I think, you know, whenever I can, and I talk a lot to early stage founders and um, just try to give folks that confidence of like, hey, you're doing something really awesome and like you can do it. You know, it's, it's going to be really hard, but if you have the passion and the grit, like anything is possible. Yeah, absolutely. That is, um, th- you know, I always think there
0: are so many great ideas that are just sitting within people that if they just had someone to say like, hey, go and fly, like I believe in you, they might go and do it. And the world would, I think, be, just be a different place if more people acted on these great ideas and projects that they have within them.
1: So thank you for being such a great example of that. Thank you. Yeah. And I would say i find this particularly for young women um I see so many young women who are like oh no I need to get an MBA I need to get a ton of work experience I need all these credentials and I'm like no you don't need any of that just like do it you can do it you have within you the power um, to build the business of your dreams so go do it and worst case scenario you can always go back and get a corporate job (laughs) <laughs>
0: exactly. That's always going to be there, right? Like, that's going to be there. What's one of the things early on in the business that you, like looking back, that you
1: wish you knew then that you know now? Yeah, I think one of the things early on for me was that I was pushing so hard to be big that I didn't recognize the benefits of being small. And specifically in the food industry, you know, as soon as you have a co-packer you're hitting these minimum order quantities you know so for us like we found a very small co-packer so it was only like 10,000 bars per skew or per flavor at a time uh, but that's still a lot and i think when we were in our early stage of like doing testing in farmers markets i was like uh i don't want to be doing this this is you know I, this is i just want to be big i want to be in stores i want to be everywhere I didn't really recognize the value of like that direct feedback from customers and the ability to iterate quickly and to say like, okay, we got all this feedback that people don't like pineapple in our bars. They want to see cherry. So let's like try next week with cherry instead of pineapple. Like That is an amazing ability um, and to test out different messaging. And and we did a fair amount of that, but I think we could have done a lot more. We ended up changing the flavor of our bars actually like three times after launching them. And each time it was really expensive. And when you have to redesign packaging and, you know, hire a food formulator, it sounds so much harder than like trying to to just lean into the, the idea that, I'm small and so I can make changes and iterate quickly and learn really fast. And I'm gonna try to learn as much as I can while I'm small before I get big.
0: Yeah, that's a really that's a really good nugget. Um it's easy to see when you're like further ahead because you see both sides, right? It's like
1: grass (laughs) is always greener for sure. Totally. And you know, like so Kellogg's one of our biggest investors, and they tell us this all the time. They're like, You guys have this amazing ability, like innovate on a dime and like, you know, launch regionally and, and Kellogg puts out a skew and all of a sudden it has like 50,000 points of ACV overnight. Um, and so it's all, it is all relative, but I think understanding the relative pros and cons of the size that you're at and making sure that you really lean into those competitive advantages, even if you're frustrated with like, I want to be a Kellogg and I'm, you know, a coolie coolie. If you could go back
0: in time and do anything different, is there anything that you would have done differently? I mean, a
1: lot of little things. Um, There was a lot of, a lot of different failures and, you know, challenges along the way. I think um, team is really, really hard. And, you know, we, so the folks I recruited kind of childhood best friends, other friends started out as four of us. There are only two now. Um, I think that was really hard, and I think we came into it with different expectations of what the business would look like, what our roles would look like, and it's it's kind of easy when there's two or you know four of you. It's like oh well, you do all these things, I do all these things, and then when you grow and you're like even just like five people. 10 people, 15 people, it, it changes a lot. And I think just trying to set clear expectations of how we wanted our roles to evolve and what, what was actually, what actually the business needed as the business scaled would have been good.
0: What was it like also going into business with people that you know, and people that were close to you as friends? You know, I see people sometimes be like, oh my gosh, I'd only go into business with people that I'm really close with. And there's a lot of that. And other times people are like, no way, I don't, I don't want to do it. Like for anyone who's in that boat right now, what are your, what are your like kind of lessons? Not to say if one is right or the wrong, but what are your lessons from your experience of, of going forward with people that, you know, and bringing this vision to
1: life? I heard from an investor once that the, the best co-founders are people you've worked with professionally and you have this sort of like professional level of communication and then sort of one step down from there is like friends. And then down from there is like, partners, like life partners, <laughs> more siblings, because uh, it just, you know, everything goes out the window from there. There's no etiquette. And I think one of the things that me and my co-founder do now that has been really amazing for us is we literally do a monthly relationship check-in where we're talking about like, how are we doing as partners? Like, how are we doing, you know, we're, we're not dating and I'm, I'm happily married he's happily married um but as business partners like how is that relationship going how are you feeling about the business how are you feeling about your overall life and how are you you know what can I do to support you in in kind of any way I can and and what's any feedback you have of ways I could have been supporting you better that I wasn't recognizing um and that has been really nice. we actually we do it as a walk. Uh, we've now switched to virtual, but our office is right by this lake in downtown Oakland. So we generally do this like lake walk where we go and we sort of like talk through all of our challenges and by the end of it, we're like, Ooh, all right, we're good. We're ready, you know ready to to conquer the world again.
0: That is such a good exercise to do because it is you got you guys are doing it together. You have to check in with each other. I love that you guys do that. I think that is a really good practice. And while it is virtual right now, um, I can imagine when you guys were actually out to physically walk, that's really great too. Not only like the walking and talking, but also just being in a different environment probably really helps with that as well.
1: Totally. Yeah. I actually, I do it with my husband too. So different different levels of relationship check You're a good communicator. This is good. This is really I, good. <laughs> I've gotten better over the years. Let me tell you, it's it's not something that comes naturally to me, but I think I am learning to be a much better listener and much better communicating my thoughts in a way that's constructive. Hmm. What
0: is something that you guys are working on, on uh, as a company right now that's setting you up for that next stage of growth or development, whatever whatever that is for you guys. What do you guys what are you guys working on right now?
1: Yeah, so I think one of the things we're really excited about is the idea that we've sort of built this platform with Moringa where we figured out how you source a high quality product from small farmers in the developing world. How do you do that in a way that benefits their communities, in a way that delivers a, a really amazing product for US consumers? And then how do we introduce a totally unknown plant that's amazing superfood to the US market. And so we, you know, all of our products currently are Moringa, but we're not limited to that. And I think one of the things we're really interested in is what are some other amazing plants that grow in the communities we're already sourcing from that could, you know, help create these like amazing food forests of crops that we could start to incorporate into our products. So we've been thinking a lot about that and have started working on a few different innovation ideas to really incorporate that and I think that's you know where where I see the brand continuing to evolve is how do we introduce, you know, sustainably sourced high quality superfoods and make it easy and delicious for Americans to consume. And also really impactful in the communities where they're sourced from. That seems like
0: a natural line of progression for the brand and look forward to, to seeing where that goes. And I love how you talk about this being sustainable in a sense of like, it helps the communities. It helps, you know, you, it helps your consumers. Uh, and I think that's a really just great way to run business. And I'm going to imagine given the fact that you, you know, originally got introduced to this when with your time working with the Peace Corps, that's kind of just part of your DNA. So I'd imagine that was a big part in bringing any product to life.
1: It is is a, a big part of, you know, my personal DNA and we've also built it into the DNA of the company. So we're a B Corp, um, which is you know, a certification in the same way organic is a certification. We're also a benefit corporation in the same way that you sometimes hear about LLCs or C Corps. Um, so we actually have our mission statement is built into our legal DNA. And so that's been something that's powerful for us to say and actually something I was really intent on us doing before we raised venture capital, because uh, I wanted everyone who invested in us to know that I'm not just here to sell food. I'm here to like sell food that helps make the world a better place and that those are inextricably tied and you know, can't be pulled apart.
0: That's a great way to protect what it is that you are doing and your vision and making sure that everyone who comes on board, they're along for that, that full ride. Right. And I know they're not going to an investor isn't going to want to force you to, oh, go use the supplier. It's maybe not as sustainable, but maybe, you know, we should use them. They, they know what they're signing up for that we're not just about profits we're about actually making impact.
1: Exactly. And, you know, I, to their credit, I would say that we lost maybe one or two investors, but the majority of folks, I think they respected us even more because we were really upfront of this is who we are. This is where we're going. And I think one of the things that people are looking for in food today is, is authenticity. Mm-hmm. Like food is such a personal experience. Like I'm putting this into my body and I want to know where is it grown? You know, what are those working conditions like? What is that like environmental impact like? Well, you know, what is this going to do to my body? Are there pesticides in it? Is there child labor being used to produce it? And so I, I think being in the food industry, we have a really unique, position to play a role in transforming business as a tool for social change. 100%. I, I fully believe
0: that as well. And I'm glad to see you yeah. not only build that mission, but be such a great example for others as well.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Where can people find your product? If they want to pick some up, people are probably listening, thinking, oh my gosh, I want to support this. I want to try this. Um, where can people find yeah. you?
1: we would love for you to try it. Um, so coolycoolyfoods.com, K-U-L-I-K-U-L-I-F-O-O-D-S.com. That's our website. We're also available on Amazon, um, K-U-L-I-K-U-L-I, you type that in. We're in Whole Foods nationwide. We're in quite a few smaller natural stores, depending on what part of the country you're in. We're also in um, bigger retailers like CBS. Costco locations. So, you know, depending on your buying preferences, we're uh, available in a lot of different spots. Awesome. Lisa,
0: thank you so much for sharing this story. It sounds like it has been quite the journey and you guys have made a really big impact in a big way, bigger than just for yourselves, for a lot of people involved. Uh, and I think that's just such a great journey to continue to be on. So thank you for sharing and thanks for
1: everything you're doing in the food industry. Yeah, thanks so much for having me and uh, letting me share this story. I mean, it's, it's uh, still a journey. We haven't made it by any sense, uh, but it has been an amazing journey so far. And we're so excited to continue to grow and make an even bigger impact can't wait
0: to see it I know myself and lots of others are going to have our eyes on you guys to watch and see what new innovation comes and just see you continue to grow and make this impact so thank you
1: thank you yes and follow us on social media at Cooley coolie foods we'll be announcing everything there so perfect
0: awesome thank you The Food Founders Podcast is brought to you by the Fab Growth Academy, the online hub for driven food and beverage business owners that want to get on more shelves, get into more homes and really grow their food business. Inside the Fab Growth Academy, Fab standing for food and beverage, you'll have unlimited access to tools, resources, and training from myself and my food friends. So if you know you have a great product, Let's work on building the business side of things so that more people can enjoy it and you can make the impact I know you want to make with your business. The Fab Growth Academy is now open. So hop on over to growmyfoodbrand.com to join me and your fellow food founders inside the Fab Growth Academy. I cannot wait to see you in there and help you grow your business.